Hey, what's up? I'm your host, Jesse Brooks, wanting to give you a woman's view on automotive industry. If you just started listening, thanks for listening. If you just come back, welcome back. Last week, y'all got to hear from my very good friend, Heaven. She is one of my closest friends in this industry, and I definitely enjoyed her being on here. She's been very supportive of me doing this podcast and one of those that really pushed me to do it. So I am very much grateful for her during this entire journey. This week, I was able to get another interview and this person is amazing. Uh, One of those people that just is a joy to talk to. I actually pre-recorded it, but this person, uh, she is a senior editor for Car and Driver, which is an amazing, amazing magazine. She has expertise in classic cars and motorsports, the car culture technology, and does new car reviews before becoming a senior editor in 2021. She was a contributing editor to Car and Driver since 2019. Her name is Alana Sher. She is in Los Angeles. She's been covering the automotive world for numerous car magazines, but her expertise also includes travel writing, food reviews, and science and tech reporting, as well as videos for Edmonds and Hemmings. Early in her career, she held positions for Grave Motorsports and Taylor Made Racing, where she worked directly with racing teams and fabricators. So, again, this was a pre recorded thing, but she absolutely, definitely an amazing person to talk to. Very kind, very considerate, and very much um, in tune with the industry, very much. Uh, someone who I learned a lot from just during this conversation and was a joy listening to her story of being in the industry. Here she is, Alana Cher. Hi. <laughs> uh, Hello. So, um, so this is Alana Cher. She is a senior editor. How <laughs> did you become an editor? Like, how did you start becoming an editor for, for them? <laughs> So um, I got into cars fairly late. Um, I didn't even have a driver's license until I was 21. Um, I didn't grow up in a car family or anything like that. And so when I did get into cars, I um, started reading a lot of car magazines um, because it sort of seemed like the only way to kind of quietly and privately learn the vocabulary of what everyone was talking about. Um, And initially I was more into classic cars, so I was reading like Hot Rod and Car Craft and that sort of thing. But, um, you know, I was also not unaware of the, the famous big magazines like Car and Driver and Road and Track and Automobile. Um, and so, you know, I would read those. I would also read a lot of, um, like, vintage editions of the magazines, right? Because I was into classic cars. So um, I would look up, like, a Car and Driver from 1970 and see, like, oh, what did they say about you know, Dodge Challenger or whatever back in the day. So I was very aware that there was this history of people writing about cars, uh, reviewing cars, 
writing about car culture, and I always thought that that was incredibly interesting. Um, I initially kicked around ideas of, of being a, a technician, uh, like a mechanic or a fabricator. Um, I worked for a while in motorcycle uh, carbon fiber fabrication. Uh, but I, I wasn't great at it. Like, I was okay, but there people who are really good mechanics, like, they kind of have a... A niche like for a, it. And they have, like, a, like, they can see things in their mind. Like, yeah. they can look at something that's all put together, and they can see in their mind what the individual pieces might be like. And I just, I never had that. So I could take things apart, and I could learn how to put them back together, but I wasn't very fast at it, which is not, like, the best way to go into a career as a mechanic. You're not going to make much money. It takes right. you a long time. Right. So... Um, but I loved the community and I loved learning about cars and I was like, oh, well, if I can't actually, you know, work on cars for a living, maybe I could write about people who work on cars for a living. And that was sort of what gave me the idea of um, getting into magazine and website and editing and that kind of thing. Wow. So basically you did try your hand into the industry and was like, nah, this is, this isn't. <laughs> Which, yeah. <laughs> you, you have to, I, I feel like with this industry, you kind of have to have some type of hands-on experience. Uh, even if you are just writing, it feels like once you put your hands on it, once you see what it's like to have to do it, then I feel like it might be easier to write about it. Right. Oh, for sure. I mean, I understand so much more about, you know, if I'm interviewing somebody who designed something and they're talking about how it works. I mean, I, I know what the parts and pieces are and I, I can understand how they might go together or how they might be a challenge. Um, you know, and I, I could have, you know, I, I could have stayed in, in fabrication, I think, if I really wanted to, if I pushed, you know, push myself a little harder. Um, I, I could imagine like a alternate world where maybe I'd, I'd gone into paint work, you know, custom paint work. Cause I, you know, there, I wasn't terrible at that, but um, I, you know, by the time I was sort of looking at various job opportunities, I really, I really wanted to write about cars. It just looked so fun. Um, and it has been so fun. I love it. <laughs> well, then that also then ties into my next question, which is what's the one lesson your job has taught you that you think everyone should learn at this point about the industry? Oh gosh, just one, huh? Or you um, can do multiple if you want to, but <laughs> I know a lot of people are like, if you could do one, you could probably do a lot more lessons, but you know. Oh, okay, let's see. Um, so this lesson I think would apply to anyone who wanted to, to be involved in the automotive industry, um, you know, which is that it, um, there are a lot more, um, there are a lot more options in it than you might think initially looking at it. Like there are a lot of places to go with a lot of different skill sets. So, you know, if you're somebody who's really good with numbers, really, you know, good, like good with math, you know, maybe you're yes. going to go into like service writing or maybe you're going to go into engineering or something like that. And if you're someone who's really good with, with people, um, but you also love the cars, maybe you you could go into public relations or you could go into a service counter job where you, you interact with people a lot more. 
if you're someone who's great with the hands-on stuff and maybe you don't want to interact with people so much, maybe that's more of a, a you know, mechanic room where you, you know, you don't have to be the, the front person for things or, you know, you could go, you know, go race mechanic or something like that. You could travel the world uh, if you're good under stress. Like, there's, there's just so much stuff and there's so, you know, if you're artistic, there's all of these art and body work jobs that, that you can get into. Um, if you like the history of things, you can specialize in classic cars and vintage stuff. I mean, there's, there's just, there's so much that, um, that is available. And so it's not just like, oh, I have to be a good mechanic or I can't work around cars or, oh, I have to be, you know, a real people person or I, I couldn't get a job at a dealership or something like that. I think there's a lot of opportunity in, in the industry. I definitely agree. I actually never thought about becoming a, a writer in the industry until I saw that what you do. And I was like, Oh, that's an option. So even <laughs> then being in an industry, you sometimes you do forget that there are other options to staying in the industry. So, and I, like you said, I think that really is important to know that you have other places to go um, for this industry. Um, well, I think it's especially important maybe for, you know, people who aren't traditionally expected to be in the industry. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, like, it might be easier if you're um, maybe a guy who grows up in a car family to just assume that, that there's a lot of jobs available working around cars. But, you know, maybe if you don't grow up in a car family, um, you wouldn't expect that there are opportunities for you. That, yeah, that's definitely true. Um, especially for those who, like even you said, it's kind of hard to, if you're, if you don't have that speed built up, as a technician or as a mechanic and you know, you can't make money that way. You kind of go, Oh, well, I can't do it this way. I have to get out of the industry. But then you found another way to stay in the industry, which is very important to, to know and to recognize. Um, but I have the biggest, the next question for that is what was the biggest challenge in either getting into the industry are actually making that transition? Um, well, I would say that, you know, challenges, they, they, you never get over, like, you know, whatever you're doing in your life, there are always more mountains ahead. Like you might get over one. You're like, that's the biggest challenge I'm ever going to face oh, in my right. life. And, you know, you just haven't got to the next one yet. But, exactly. but um, so there've been a couple of, you know, a couple of different times where I was like, Oh, I don't know if this one is achievable, but they always, they always have been. Um, I mean, getting in, in the first place was very, um, getting like, that was probably the, the biggest one. I mean, I, I applied to different magazines for 10 years before anybody ever even gave me an interview. Wow. <laughs> so, um, you know, but I just did other stuff in the meantime, you know, I stayed, I like at one point I worked for a year for a guy who did, restoration stuff and I just took stuff apart you know I mean he was I uh, took apart all the prod like parts cars in the you know in the back room um and you know and it was fun I enjoyed it um I went and wanted to do it my whole life but it was you know it was a good way to to still be around for a year and you know I worked in public relations which is similar to writing about cars but it's not quite the same as working on the magazine side um I did photography uh 
at some of the races and things like that. So I, you know, I wasn't not doing things. I was building more skills um, the whole time that I was sort of applying to, to magazines. But yeah, it did take a long time. So that was probably the biggest challenge. I mean, I could have quit any time along there and <laughs> never, never been here. Um, and, you know, but there've been other challenges along the way. I, I think a lot of them have been um, internal challenges, you know, looking at an opportunity that isn't quite within reach and not talking myself out of it. You know, I think very easy for us, for any of us, but especially I think for women who are trying to do something that they don't see a lot of other women doing to look at something, say, I don't see anyone else doing that. I don't have the skills to do it. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't even try to do it. And um, I've really, you know, I, even now I still have to tell myself, like, go give that a try. Go give that a try. You can you can do badly at it, and then next time you'll do a little bit better, um, and that's okay. That's that's a reoccurring challenge. Yeah, definitely. Just, and I do agree with that because whenever I first started in the industry, that was my biggest challenge: was do I really want to make a fool of myself? You know, trying it and failing. But then again, you know, you keep doing it over and over again. And sooner or later, you do get good at it. And you start getting to the point where you do either gain that speed or you at least gain that knowledge to figure out other things that you can be faster at. Absolutely. I mean, what did you tell yourself when you were first trying to kind of get over that hurdle? Like, you know, when you knew that you would probably be bad at it, but how did you convince yourself to do it anyway? Ooh. How did I? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I flipped it around on you. This is what happens when we interview a journalist. <laughs> I know. And I'm actually, i that's a very good question because I really don't know specifically what I told myself. But what I do remember is always looking at the situation as, you know, either you're going to be able to do it or you, you know, you're going to basically make yourself where you can't. Um, get better I just looked at everything that I did wrong as an opportunity to get better which was you know for me I I felt like when you go into an industry like this you want to get that obstacle of everyone else is trying to get the position you're in it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. if you're a loop tech it doesn't matter if you are doing interior work if you're doing um heavy line if you're doing this if you're doing that basically the person that you're either training or the person that is coming in right behind you is that that's the person that could you know replace you so it's either you learn all the hard stuff then or you just kind of get pushed to the side and then have to make a decision of staying in the industry or not and I had to learn that very early on once I did get that yes to come into the industry, I had to I had to learn that very quickly. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, you know, basically, well, if I don't try this, mm-hmm. then that's the end of this. That's the end of moving forward. So. <laughs> yep, yep. Because I actually, I came in as a porter. So I came in what I felt like was the lowest of the low. And people that was around me that were porters wanted to go be a technician. And I remember once I got the yes to be a porter, 
I then remember getting the no to be a technician. And it, that was the most heartbreaking thing for me. But then realizing that I had other options, I could go other places and turn that no into a yes somewhere else. So I actually ended up leaving that place. But I mean, you then start to realize, you know, either you allow yourself or other people to stop you from growing in the way you want to grow. Um, or you just, you pick up and you try to become the best you can. And I think in this industry, people forget you have to push yourself just as much as you want others to push you. Yeah, probably more. (laughs) Yes, definitely. Um, but with that being said, what was the thing you wish you had been taught when you got into this industry? Whether it was becoming an editor or it was you actually coming into this industry trying to try your hand at at doing things. Probably what we were just talking about that, um, you know, that everyone is going to not be good at things as at the start and you just, they won't really remember that you weren't good at it once you get good. Mm -hmm. So... So you kind of just have to push past that embarrassment um, and, you know, and be willing to be bad at it so that you have the chance to get better. Um, it's, uh, it's it's hard. It's hard, especially, I think, because I think that for women in, in particular, I would say maybe women um, and or anyone who's in the minority of, of a, an industry or of a group, mm-hmm. it's not a totally imaginary problem that you – that you're expected to be better than everyone else around, you know, like if you're the only one of, of whatever, if you're the only one representing your kind in a a group, everyone pays more attention to what you do. And that's not imaginary. Um, And it can be very uh, limiting in how, in how much you're willing to put yourself forward because you're like, Oh, everyone's looking at me and that's not wrong. They are probably all looking at you, but (laughs) you still, you still got to, you still got to go forward because otherwise, you know, you end up sitting on the sidelines and then they're, they're like, Oh yeah, see, she wasn't up for it anyway. Yeah. And I think, you know, and that really is hard, uh, especially when you're not used to that because like for me, I came out of a high school that was very diverse. That was, I think we graduated with 2,500 different people. So, we got to not have that issue of, okay, everyone's paying attention to you because you're this, because you're that, you know, you Mm -hmm. got to have that diversity. And then going into an industry where you don't see many women doing what I tried to do, which was being a, becoming a technician or getting told, you know, this isn't a woman's place to do it. You have that, okay, so now I have to break that that stereotype. You have to break whatever mindset that they're in, um, if you can, you know. Yeah, but, yeah. Well, and I, I mean, I think what you said, too, about, be, you know, leaving the place where they were going mm-hmm. to, like, stop you. I mean, I think that that's important, too, because, you know, not everything that you encounter as you're going through a career is sexism, but some of it is. Yes. And so being yes. able to recognize, like, no, this is 
this is, I'm never going to get anywhere in this place. Mm-hmm. This, But that doesn't mean I won't get anywhere in the industry. I just have to be in a different place. And that's, I mean, that's something that I definitely experienced in moving through some of the different jobs that I've had. There are some places where you're not wrong. They're going to, mm-hmm. they're not going to give you like a fair shake because, you know, for, for lame reasons, yeah. <laughs> you know? And, and so, but, but there are other places where they're going to really appreciate what you can do. And, um, and you just, you, it's worth leaving a situation that is limiting you so that you can go and be, and be great. And it's hard to tell the difference because there are times where they're good at accepting you for that part, but then they're bad at everything else. So <laughs> you have to figure out the difference between, is it a bad job or is it a bad situation? Because they, yes. You know, they they could have put me somewhere else, but if it wasn't what I wanted to do, then that would have defeated the purpose of me going and working there. Um, Because in my head, in my dreams, I wanted to be a technician and for them to say no was bad for me, but they could have made me a cashier. They could have made me an advisor. They could have made me um, a salesperson. But, you know, at the end of the day, you have to figure out what are their motives for you and what are your motives for yourself? And can y'all meet in the middle for that? Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, people can be, people can be very kind and very supportive and still keep you from doing what you want to do. Um, You know, so it it is important to be able to, um, to see, you know, really see like in a kind of honest way, like, Oh, Hey, I really like this person, but they're not going to, this is not going to be the place where I'm going to get to do what I need to do. Or this person is kind of difficult to work with, but Mm -hmm. I think they will give me a chance to really learn underneath them. And maybe you stay with that person for a while so that you can learn, but then, and then once you have the skill set, you leave because it is worth being treated with respect. (laughs) Yes. Yes, definitely. Because like you said, some people will give you the opportunity, even though they're not, you know, the easiest person to work with, but I always made sure if I left a place to learn what I could from that place. And if I had to leave, then I would leave. And I think that's also very important in this industry is if you haven't found your home company, doesn't matter what you're doing in this industry. If you haven't found your home company, I've always told people, make sure you learn what all you can to better yourself and then leave. (laughs) totally (laughs) you know sometimes you got to I and even if that wasn't like your first mindset maybe you were like oh this is the place I'm staying at this is the place that I want to be at sometimes it's just go ahead and learn as much as you can then if that time comes where you have to decide on whether or not you have to leave or not um at least you've bettered yourself and at least at the end of it you could say I'm proud of what I've gotten from this company. And sometimes that also helps to not have a bad, um, I guess, a, a bad image of that place, too. Because if you learn yeah. something, yeah. you at least have a good thing that you got from that company. Yeah, and I think it is, you know, occasionally there's a bridge that must be burnt. But in general, it's better to be able to move through the world without having too many enemies behind you. Yes, Yes. And, or at least build your own, uh, your network, which is what 
this podcast is actually about is trying to um, build a network, especially for some women that are coming in or some women who are coming out or really anybody who, you know, doesn't know what they are trying to do in this industry, you know, because like I said, I didn't know that there was such thing as uh, an editor for automotive magazines or I guess I didn't think of it from that standpoint. I literally was like, okay, well, you either have sales and service or you can go work for the manufacturer or you can go mm -hmm. work for the corporate area. I didn't think of, you know, people actually, you know, there is a such thing as giving people information just outside of those realms. So, oh, yeah. I mean, lots of it, you know, like, like there's writing for magazines, there's, um, shooting photography for advertisements, there's writing advertisements, there's working in all of the different public relations. Um, and, uh, you know, then there's like custom hot rod shops. And you'd mentioned interiors, which I always think is a really interesting um, art form that is like such a different kind of mechanics than most yes. others. You know, if you want something that's a little bit cleaner, it's, you know, it's very zen, like it's kind of uh, artistic, you know, I think that. Yes, you know, definitely. I actually I've always been surprised interior. there are more women in interiors, right? Because it's like, you know, it's exactly. like a skill set that a lot of women do learn when they're <laughs> younger, like, you know, like sewing and clothing and fabrics. Yes. It's, like, it's so good. Um, I'm and a terrible like said, sewer, so I couldn't do it. <laughs> I wouldn't have been able to do the sewing part. I am horrible at that. But putting the seats together, actually doing everything except for the sewing part and except for that, I will tear apart an interior and put everything brand new back in there so i enjoy it or you know oh good come over because i got an <laughs> opal gt and the seats are ruined <laughs> oh are you no are they oh it's all right um, get <laughs> a new fine. one but um, yeah yeah there's just a lot there's a lot of stuff that people could do that they might not even think about definitely so um but also for how long have you been in this industry? Um, I mean, if I count the motorcycle stuff as well, like before getting into, um, before getting into writing, it's probably like uh, maybe seventeen years, but it's about ten for like working for the magazines. Seventeen. Wow. So. Well, and I include motorcycles partially because automotive, I mean, you are essentially, it's transportation. It doesn't matter what it is. I mean, you can do trucks, buses, airplanes, anything. If it's something that's going to get you to and from, I always include it. Because it, I feel like motorcycles, cars, airplanes, they all kind of have about the same functions <laughs> you know same parts <laughs> they're just bigger or smaller yeah. um and so i i i accepted 17 years uh in this industry base and just yeah i i couldn't i haven't even i've probably done maybe a third of that maybe <laughs> well, uh, i bet i'm much older than you <laughs> but well and the only reason why I say 
but I feel like a lot of times we do it based upon age. You even said yourself that you got into this um, later in life and found a love for it to the point where you can write for it. For me, I don't think I could actually write for it, but I could, I'll take apart a car and put it back together and talk to people <laughs> about it. I will teach people how to do it. But when it comes down to writing about it, I think that's a whole nother type of love for for it you know you <laughs> read into it you research it it becomes you know a whole different thing and so I that's amazing especially that you've been doing it for so long how do you keep that enjoyment of it how do you keep enjoying writing about it um well I mean you know it's just there's so much happening and everything is so different so um, I've, I mean, I've worked at several different companies, several different magazines, and I've, I've done different forms of media, so video as well, um, podcasts, that kind of thing. So there's, there's already a lot that's different, you know, that I, that keeps me from getting bored, but then it's also, you know, each day is different, you know, like today I'm on a podcast with you and then I'm going to get off this and, and write about a Honda Accord that I just drove tomorrow I'm going to go drive uh, an electric roadster that somebody built like a you know kind of custom car you know Wednesday I don't even know what I'm doing Wednesday yet so it's always you know it's interesting it's, it's fun you know sometimes I'll get to do something really fancy like drive a Rolls Royce and other times maybe I'll go to um, the local drag strip and talk to people who are driving their own cars you know spend the evening hanging out with people who are just into the scene um, so there's always something new to talk about, someone to interview, something to learn, you know, new technology. There's all this EV tech. So yes. keeping me busy doing research, trying to understand new stuff. How do you feel about the EV? Cause I know you said that you were very into the classics. So <laughs> how, how do you feel about, you know, now we're going into all electric um, I mean, I'm fine with it. I think that it makes sense to keep moving technology forward. Um, you know, there's a lot that will have to happen um, before electric vehicles replace gasoline yes. vehicles, even as new cars. And I don't think that they're ever going to replace, um, you know, all cars because, you you know, if that were the case, we, we wouldn't have any carbureted cars still on the road, right? Like, right. I mean, fuel injection's been around for ages, and it's way better than a carburetor for, for most people's driving needs. And yet, people still love carbureted cars. I mean, I talked to somebody at Edelbrock last year. They said 2020 was one of their best years since, like, the 70s because people were wow. just working on their project cars. So, wow. you know, the things that I love about cars will continue to exist even if there are a lot more electric cars and if it means things can be um, cleaner or if it gives us more options for, for how our cars are powered. Um, I think that that is good for a lot of different reasons. I mean, environmental, political, um, financial, like, you know, more, more choices is good. Uh, yes, I definitely agree. I think just, for me, from a technician side, as a person who looked at it, tried to work on it, I'm like, mm, I don't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to do it. But 
You know, as a person who wouldn't want to work on it, but definitely sees the benefit of it, I do agree with it. It's just looking at it and going, do I really want to learn how to work <laughs> on a very big computer? And... Yeah. Well, you know, there's still, there's still all these other things, right? Like, I mean, like, yes, there is a very big computer. And I think that for young techs, it, you know, who want to have, the most uh, sellable skills, it makes sense for them to learn a lot about the computer yes. tuning and diagnostics. Um, but, you know, an electric car still has four wheels with wheel bearings, it has yes. axles, it has coolers, it has, um, you know, it has air conditioning systems, heating systems. So all of that stuff still is going to need to be serviced. It has brakes, you know, so a brake job on an electric car, it might be a little bit different with some different sensors and stuff, yeah. than, you know, yeah. but it's still going to be a brake job, still going to need to happen. So, like, there's going to be a lot to do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's still going to be a lot, a lot to do in, in, uh, on an EV, just as, as much as there is on a, on a gas car. Yeah. And I do believe, like, now that has become a fear of, I know for some of the older technicians, I don't know, I don't know if all technicians, but I can say a lot of older technicians are like, well, we don't want EV cars like that because that's going to take away from money because you can't do this and you can't do that. I'm like, yeah, but if you learn it, you, there's something always is going to go wrong on a vehicle. That's just, <laughs> it's man-made. So there's something wrong that's going to happen on every single one of them. You never have to deal with that. Uh, but the problem is, is do you want to learn it? And I think that has, that's kind of the issue of, do you really want to learn this system? One, and two, do you want to find the issues? I think that's become the issue for the, for the older. Yeah. Well, and I, I mean, I understand how if you were, you know, maybe a couple of years away from retirement, you might not want to invest that much in learning new, yes. new stuff. But, you know, I, I always feel like there is, you know, there is no time in life where it makes sense to stop learning. So Definitely. for me, I would always recommend that if you get a chance to learn something, something new, you, you should always take that chance. Definitely. So you have been in the industry for 17 years. What is a story that really made, that really got to you versus like either made you angry, made you sad. One of those where you just go, even to this day, you really have no idea why it happened. You know, what we, I would usually call WTF story. <laughs> something that happened to me or something that happened to someone else either or um i mean i feel pretty lucky in that i don't think i have any big wts stories in my own career i mean i'm not saying that there hasn't ever been you know a bad a bad moment and that there you know that there aren't any people who i you know who uh, who weren't on my side, you know, everybody's got, got some of them, but none of them, none of them were so dramatic that, uh, that they're worth continuing to think about, um, you know, and a lot of them are just part of, 
having a career. Sometimes a company lays people off. Sometimes mm -hmm. a particular boss doesn't want what you have to offer. You, you know, so, so those things are, are not so dramatic that I'm still, you know, that I think about them every day. Right, right. <laughs> um, you know, so I, um, I don't know. I mean, I think that in terms of stuff that I've reported on, um, a story that sticks with me a lot was, um, do you follow any of the racing? Do you know who Bubba Wallace is? I've heard that name. I have heard that name. Um, so Bubba Wallace is a black NASCAR driver, um, kind of, you know, up and uh, up and coming. He's, sort of, he's you know, he's, he's not a rookie, but mm -hmm. um, he hasn't been in there a really long time. But uh, a couple of years ago, there, there was, this whole, um, this whole news cycle where um, it seemed like maybe at one of the races uh, something like, like somebody had threatened him, like, like with a racist, like in a racist way, and then it turned out that it was a misunderstanding. But the situation around it all was so insane to me. Like it just brought out just so much meanness in the community, in the racing community, um, in all the comments on stories. And it just, it really, I'm not going to say I was unaware <laughs> that, <laughs> that there is a lot of racism still in our industry, but how eager people were to just go all in on it and like put their name next to a comment that is like horrific. It was a real bummer for me because I was like, are we not even a little bit past this? Um, and, you know, you see it again, like Lewis Hamilton in F1, you know, sort of standing up for like Black Lives Matter and things like that. And and the way that people respond to him is so, it's so ignorant and it's still so ugly. And it's it's kind of a bummer for me in, you know, our industry. And you can still see it with like, women in the industry as well yes. too you know although I, I do feel like some of that is getting better where you're just like are really this is like we're still up against this stuff and I would say that that is more it's kind of more of like a, a low simmer constant you know WTF moment where I'm like really like are really you've never you know you've never met a woman who's into cars before really never mm -hmm. <laughs> you know like come on are you even looking um, you've you've seen one even if she didn't You've say, you, you know, you can tell. Because I feel like yeah. as women of the industry, we either wear something or we have something about us that says we absolutely love cars. Somehow we'll <laughs> put it into the conversation. Somehow we'll, you know, have something about cars on our cars or something. I mean, I even have a tattoo of a spark plug. So <laughs> so I, I wear... <laughs> you know cars that's how I, that's how i know you're not a diesel mechanic no no i'm not because <laughs> I, I think where those glow plugs is that what yeah yeah so of which um, i've tried not to do diesel just for that reason it's greasy. It, well because it was i thought diesel was only trucks so when i first got into the industry these are really big trucks that you know you have to be kind of strong to do. And so I got a really bad taste of diesel because people will lift them and do yeah, all these different things they... to them, bigger tires, and people didn't want to do the bigger tires. So I'm over here 
you know, spending two hours on replacing tires on them. And I have, <laughs> I have yet to want to work for a company, you know, GMC right now has a bad taste in my mouth just because of trucks, but it's not because I dislike <laughs> GMC. I actually absolutely loved working for GMC. I just hated the trucks, <laughs> just hated working <laughs> on them. But that, yeah, you gotta, me. you know, you gotta work for Mazda or something. Do Miatas. I um, actually have. <laughs> Yeah, I have. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, within my five years, I've worked for, I think five or six different manufacturers. So including the one that I couldn't become a technician at, at yeah, about <laughs> five or six, but, and I've loved every single one of them. Absolutely. But that is, I actually do remember that story you're talking about. And I do remember kind of looking at it and going, is this really the industry that I want to be in after that? You know, it was a little shocking, right? Like it was because it was like the people I've worked for. I don't think I've had that issue. Now, as far as being a woman is concerned, yes. But being a black woman, no one ever cared about my color now, some of them may have made sly jokes about me being a woman, but I've gotten used to that because, yeah. you know, for some of yeah. them, they've been in the industry for 40 years and I've had most of them come up to me and go, I've never worked for worked with a woman, a uh, woman technician, I should say. So, yeah, I was fine with that partially because they're getting used to it. I'm still getting used to it. You know, we're <laughs> going we're gonna to learn. It's a learning. You're very patient. <laughs> yeah, I, I've learned you have to be patient in this industry uh, because it is something that you learn every day. You know, whether it's, you know, learning EV, whether it's learning, you know, some people aren't going to accept you. Um, or some people just don't want to work with you because of whatever they are feeling uh, personally. And you either have to go, okay, that's fine. Or you have to go, mm -hmm. okay, this is going, I, I'm not liking this. And, yeah. you, you know, you either have, to, you kind of become more mature in this, in this industry than you either want to be or be, than you are at that point. So, um. I definitely say I had to mature because of this industry very quickly. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's interesting and, I, you know, I know, so, I mean, for, for a lot of us who are, who are already in here, you know, I think we've developed a bit of a thick skin, right? Like you were saying, you know, sometimes people say stuff and sometimes you just, you, you know, you just sort of sigh it off and go like, all right, whatever. I'll complain complain about that to my friend when I get home or something, and yep. like let it go. But I I hope that as we move forward, you know, people have like get less and less of that because it would be wonderful to to not, you know, to not have to do that. I mean, I can't even really imagine it. Like like there are things where sometimes I'll be in a situation with someone who has not, who's never been say the only woman in a in a group before and you know something will happen and she'll be like so horrified she'll be like oh my god you know how, did you let him talk to you like that I'll be like I, what did he I didn't even hear what he said <laughs> like I just you know it's almost like you can just you can sense it's coming and you just like turn off 
the part of your brain that's yep. listening to it. You're just like, I don't what? Did he say something? Don't know. Did he I can really like, say see that? it in his oh. eyes. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter. I've already forgotten it, right? Yeah. But um yep. you know, but it would be nice. It would be nice if people uh never had to develop that coping skill. But it is a useful one to have in the meantime. I do recommend not being offended by absolutely everything because it's just too exhausting. It really is. I and you know a lot of people once once I started this uh, podcast, I started telling some of the stories that I've gone through as a technician. And, you know, some of the people go, really, that's what happened? So then I brought my friend on who her family, I think she's like the third generation who's been in this industry. And all of them have had some type of why, how, you know, did that really happen? How did you go through that? And you just like, yeah, you really do have to get a tough skin. <laughs> it, <laughs> like, you can't go through this and go, oh, well, you know, this is going to be daisies and it's going to be fun and it's going to be easy. It's absolutely not easy. Uh, I learned that early on because I thought I was going to come into this industry and it was just going to be fun. I was going to be able to start working on cars right away. People were going to be nice to me. And, you know, as long as I just was open to do anything for everyone that they were going to give me an opportunity. And a lot of times that's not how it works. (laughs) So... (laughs) You know, and just like you said, you, it took you a long time for you to actually get to where you are now. And it took you going through a, some tough times to get to where you are now. And that's, like I said, that's part of the reason why I did this podcast is because I want to tell people how hard it is to get into this industry and yeah. what all you sometimes have to sacrifice because I believe it's kind of a sacrifice that you have to turn off your brain to not hear <laughs> what someone else is saying about yeah. you that could be offending to you. Because partially they know yeah. it's offensive. <laughs> and- yeah, no, it's, sometimes it's a power play. You know, p- you know, like if somebody says something that they know is going to make you a little uncomfortable, that's mm-hmm. a that's like a little bit of a big dog move, right? Like mm-hmm. they're just trying to they're trying to make sure you know your place. Um, and and so not letting not letting that get to you you know take it takes some practice and but uh you know but at the same time it's so worth it right I mean I hope you feel like it's worth it but like it's been so worth it for me I mean I've got to do things I couldn't have even imagined doing in any other job and um and I've got to talk to people like yourself where it's like we have just this instant understanding of each other because we've been through some of some of the same things, some of the same bad things, but also some of the same good things. Like you really feel like you've accomplished something when, uh, you know, when you learn to do something that people said that you couldn't do. Um, and it's Absolutely. an incredible feeling. I mean, I, I honestly feel like I could do pretty much anything that anybody asked me to do because why not? <laughs> yeah. I, and like you said, when you get into a field like this and you, it's something that people go, you shouldn't be able to do this or you can't do it. It really does make you feel like you probably are the baddest thing on two, uh, on two legs <laughs> and on the earth because you get told, you know, this isn't something that you should be doing. And then you, co- you turn around and those same people who said that to you um, actually come back and go, 
I respect you way more because you did what I thought you couldn't do. And it, it really is. I, I would not trade being in this industry for nothing, for anything. Because uh, still to this day, I will go and climb up under a car if someone needed help. I, I don't care. I usually carry tools in my backpack to this day. <laughs> I don't care where You're I'm at. You're a useful friend. <laughs> I, and you know what? A couple of my friends go, you know, I don't know what I would do if I didn't have you as a friend. I'm like, me neither. Because <laughs> some <laughs> of the things you ask me, I, I wonder. I wonder <laughs> about you. <laughs> you know, but uh-huh. and but it, it's it really has been a joy. And I, I do feel I feel blessed to be able to do it and blessed to even do this podcast and talk to people like you who have been in an industry who have taught me just we've (laughs) talked for maybe only an hour and I've learned so much and got to experience some of the things that you've done just by some of the things that you've told me Uh, (laughs) well I feel like you I feel like you knew all the things I was talking about but it was nice to talk to somebody else who understood them (laughs) (laughs) well and and I love it because one I actually wanted to work on motorcycles so the fact that you worked on motorcycles I'm like oh I wish (laughs) it's not too late it's not too late they work exactly the same way as cars only they're easier because everything's small I yes yes and I actually just got my motor my license for it and I was like do I really want to go in and work on it and you know figure everything out and I've been told it's it's just a smaller it's a smaller car that's all it is I'm like I think you'd like it I think you'd like it I think I mean working on motorcycles is nice because it's like they're all portable and you just sort of put them up on a bike stand and you can sit down on, on a little stool and like, it's quite oh, comfortable. There's no lying on your back. There's no, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, no. Cause I, last time I tried to do, I've actually tried not to uh, do work on cars where I have to lie on my back. Cause <laughs> I've actually had a car almost drop on me. <laughs> yeah, so, no. so scary you know, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you tell those things to people and, you, you know, you don't have any fear in your voice when you do when you tell it to people and you forget that that's not normal. So you turn around and <laughs> you, you realize you've scarred whoever you're talking to. You're like, oh, you don't understand. I need to go talk to someone who understands. Yeah. Don't tell don't tell your grandparents. They'll get worried about you. Right. Yeah. Why are you in that industry? Why are you? Why would you decide this? Like, I'm sorry. I love it. It's 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 safer. <laughs> it, I I was safe. I'm still here, and they don't care. They don't care about that part. <laughs> they don't care. Um, but as someone who has now been on the podcast, um, what are some things you think I should touch on in the future with the podcast? <laughs> Oh gosh. Well, I mean, it seems like you've, you know, got a pretty good direction going already. And, and, um, it's really, you know, just about how, you know, I think having guests and, you know, you were talking about maybe some of your friends who, who come to you for help. And I think it's always interesting to use stories from your own life to, to help explain things. And, you know, if they're, if you've got friends who don't understand stuff about their cars and, and are always coming with the same problems, you know, maybe those are things you can explain on the podcast and, 
kind of reach a broader audience and, and tell people about? Um, obviously, I think you should tell everyone to read Car and Driver magazine so that, uh, you know, I stay in a job. <laughs> Absolutely. As, as a matter of fact, whenever I uh, found you and asked you to come on the podcast, I actually went and looked up the, the magazine and it for me, I don't remember titles. As a matter of fact, I don't really know how I've stayed in the industry this long because I don't know parts, you know, like that. You don't remember your parts number? I, I don't. I don't. Like, I'll tell you exactly where it's supposed to go, what it does. But when it comes down to the name of things, I will say thank you, Majigger. I, <laughs> that is about half of the parts for the car is, you know, that thingy-majigger right there, what it does is, is it does this right here, but that thingy-majigger is different from this mm -hmm. thingy-majigger. Just remember <laughs> what thingy-majigger I'm pointing to. Um, <laughs> and that, that's what I do. That's how I, I teach. And therefore, that's the reason why I'm a podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> that's how this started. Um. But yes, uh, that, yes, I found the magazine because uh, I found you on Twitter and was looking up, okay, well, what women are in the industry, you know, what do they do for it? And so when I found you and asked you to be on there, I was like, oh, editor for a magazine, <laughs> what is, what, what is this magazine? <laughs> Cause a lot of times, as a technician, I've never wrote, I've never read a, a magazine. I, I've read manuals. To... They're all they're all up in the front where the waiting room is. Yeah, you gotta borrow yeah. them. Yeah, they don't allow us up the front the front because apparently <laughs> we don't have a customer friendly conversations or mouse. <laughs> uh, they're only gonna let the salespeople up there. Um, yeah. Yep. Um, that's funny. Well, I'm glad that you found the magazine. I'm glad you found me. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, I think it's a lot of fun what you're doing. Thank you so much. Uh, do you have any questions for me? I already asked you all my questions. Well, and I, I wanted to make sure I usually tell everybody when they come on here, I wanted to make sure that they ask me questions. Cause I feel like, you know, it's, it's, it makes people more comfortable if they're asking me questions on top of me asking them questions or else it just sounds like an interrogation and no one wants to be interrogated. No. <laughs> I don't. I, yeah, I'm used to it. I'm used to it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Are you, uh, are you currently working? Uh, are you currently working in a shop? Uh, I am not currently working in a shop. I'm actually trying to do my own mobile thing, but I usually work on cars and give advice on the side on and outside of doing this. I usually, work on cars so um I've been doing I've been working on cars since I was about 15 16 so it, it's been a while for me just working on things personally but professionally I haven't done it in a couple months I'm thinking of going back into it do you have any do you have a favorite car oh do I not yet and the only reason why I say not yes, because a lot of times when I put a favorite car, a lot of people then tell me all the issues with it. <laughs> <laughs> so then I, I start using my technician, you know, brain and going, I don't like that too much. And so I stop having a favorite one. 
um <laughs> that that's just and that's what happens with me um but what about you do you have a favorite one? Oh, um i mean i got i have so many that i like but uh you know i like all the i like all the 70s muscle cars um i like in the new cars i like the lotus Savora. i think is a great car um and uh the amg gt mercedes the oh yeah big long vicious looking thing can't afford one but i think they're great yeah i wouldn't want to drive one either (laughs) oh i'd like to drive one i don't think i'd want to work on one though (laughs) oh no oh no uh i've i've done my fair share of mercedes i'm not Mm -mm. (laughs) i can't i don't even like the tires (laughs) <laughs> so to do anything, you know, more challenging, I couldn't, I couldn't think of it, but I do definitely agree with the 1970s muscle cars. Uh, and also some of the 1960s, like the very late mm-hmm. 1960s, uh, I believe yep. one of mine was, uh, was anything that was in 69 that mm-hmm. year for muscle cars. I absolutely love, you know, as Good far year. as their performance. <laughs> well, Yeah. Definitely, you know. <laughs> well, I didn't mean it like that. Um, no, I mean it's the uh, you know, yeah, the Camaro is yes. great. The yes. Charger is great. Vel's good. You know, Pontiac's good. Everything's good in '69. So Mustang. Yes, and actually, it was it was the Camaro that I actually fell in love with, and I do believe, um, the year that was the year that one of the muscle cars for Fast and Furious that they keep using uh, was, I believe, a 69. Uh, I, I forget which one it was. But I, I that's actually how I found that car and fell in love with it. Uh, Fast and Furious, I think, was where I started to fall in love with cars. So, and what <laughs> made me want to get into the industry, because you have a couple women on there that work on. You sure did. They yeah. were bad too. They were, <laughs> they were, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, I want to be, I want to be her. Let me be her." <laughs> uh, and like I said, I've never, I, I, I don't regret it at all. It, it's hard, yeah. but I don't regret it. <laughs> That's great. I'm glad it should go through life with as few regrets as possible. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I definitely enjoyed having you on. Uh, downshift offense. I hope you had a good time on here. (laughs) (laughs) I did. It was fun to talk, Jesse. Thank thank you for inviting me. So welcome. So welcome. Come back anytime you want. (laughs) Um, uh, (laughs) All right. Absolutely. uh, We'll put, uh, we'll post you on, uh, on this episode whenever I, you know, finish editing and everything. Um, Yeah, just let me know and I'll pass it around. All right. And I will put a link to the magazine and to y'all have a website and everything. Uh, yes, for absolutely. Okay. I, I can send you that. Um, and, uh, yeah, that'd be great. You, you put a link and, um, and keep in touch. Absolutely. Absolutely. All and right. Thank you so much. Oh yeah. Thank you. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Take care. <laughs> you too. Mm-hmm. Bye. Bye. Okay. That was Ilana share. Um, I hope y'all enjoyed listening to that interview. Most definitely was, like I said, a joy listening to her, a joy um, talking to her very, very, very much. 
uh, nice and I enjoyed and hope to have her come back on the show again. Um, like she said, and like, I really want y'all to check out this magazine. This magazine is very informative uh, and really amazing. I will link uh, it to this post on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. My handle again is Jesse Brooks 232. Uh, don't forget to like, subscribe, uh, review. Don't forget to rank, uh, you know, give me back up the charts. I absolutely um, and 100% enjoy, enjoy, enjoy doing this and getting to now talk to different people from the industry and be able to create this network of incredible women and uh, that have been able to make an impact on the industry. I am absolutely in awe of being able to do this. So, you know, like I always say, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. And I will see y'all next week. Bye.